This is the first session of Two Geeks and a Marketing Recap. And um, what, we're, what we're planning to do, I think, Pascal, is that in between each episode of Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast, which comes out every, um, Friday, every other Friday, every second Friday, we're going to be doing a Twitter space and sometimes we're going to be doing a LinkedIn audio room called Two Geeks and a Marketing Recap. And the whole idea of that is to just go over some of the topics that we discussed in the podcast episode and effectively, I suppose, update ourselves given the fact that we'll have had a week to think about the topics in a bit more detail. Yes, and once again, very much like the, uh, you know, the way in which Two Geeks and a Marketing Podcast was, was born, it was a conversation I had in the green room where we'd be ready to record, let's say, episode 89, but we're discussing the, the, the impact of episode 88 into our own deliberations and thinking, and some of the value we give to our own customers. Absolutely right. And it, it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I suppose it's only really just occurred to me that when we prepare the episodes, and, and, and you and I um, obviously cr- cr- come up with a content spotlight. We share out week one week you do the news, another week I do the news. We share out the, the film marketing. And I guess you have a load of things in your head that you want to say. And, of course, a load of things will then occur to us in the live um, recording of the episode when we'll be discussing it with each other. New ideas will come into our heads. But then what then happens is that after we effectively close the recording, I'll often think of other things. Oh, do you know, I wish, I would, I wish I'd said that. Or this, is, this issue, we, we really didn't discuss that in relation to one of the news items. So I think this will be quite good as a way of, um, from our own point of view as well, just to be able to mull over some of the the, the issues that have occurred to us over the, the following week. You know, that reminds me of uh, what it's like when you have a job interview. Yeah. And you leave the room, shake your hands, and as you're walking down the corridor, making your way to your car, you go, oh, damn, I wish I mentioned this, or I wish I said it a bit differently. So I think this idea of two gigs marketing recap is great. If you're new to the long-form show, as well as this kind of um, new platform, George and I get together. We talk about the news, the content, the tech, anything that can make life easier as a content creator and content marketer. We have a number of segments called In the News. We have the Content Spotlight. We have Marketing Tech and Apps. We have This Week in History, one of my favorite creator shout-outs. And we always end all our recordings with a film marketing segment. And let's face it, the film marketing segment <laughs> tends to be the longest part of the show, doesn't it? Um, and and, and that, that's really where um, the joy of of creating the show comes you know you and i are career marketers we've worked in marketing throughout our entire careers we're passionate about passionate about it we love to help people with strategy and with tactics but we also love our films don't we and we also particularly love science fiction and science fantasy and it's this is just a perfect vehicle for us to indulge in both of our our passions i guess and I must confess, there was always a little, a little pang of guilt. Thinking, Surely someone's going to call us out thinking, you can't do that. You know, this is meant to be a serious. But the number of lessons that you and I have been able to derive, uh, derive and extract from their marketing campaign uh, has been a surprise to me. But just I was looking at some notes from uh, our early efforts. So this is year three of the production of Two Geeks and the Marketing Podcast. 
But in my in the notes when we first began, the film marketing segment was moved to ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that on the whole, the film marketing sections do tend to be about twenty five to thirty five minutes, yeah. don't they? <laughs> and if we're really really keen on a film, sometimes <laughs> can be even longer than that. So let, let's have a think about. Um, some of the things that we talked about last week on the show and in the news, Pascal, was there was there an item of news that stayed with you during the week and, and has been on your mind? Yeah, the one that oddly stayed with me um, was this partnership between Uber and Avios. Mm. And they said it being that um, British Airways and club members start to collect um, their avios that's how you pronounce it I'm going to anyway uh, for every pound they spend on uber services which would include car coach and train services so i think there was two surprises was this um the combination of two kind of fascinating but i had no idea perhaps it's a us thing that uber also offer train services actually i hadn't even noticed that um when we were talking about it last week um it's it's funny, isn't it? Uh, I, I've been a collector of, and and I've always pronounced it Avios. Although I have to say, I have absolutely no idea whether it is pronounced Avios or Avios. So we'll we'll stick with what we what we call it. Um, I've been collecting these points for many many years. I have a British Airways Amex card, and pretty much use the Amex card to buy everything, and and you, you effectively get two pound, or is it three three pounds for every every uh, three points for every pound you spend. And when I was working in big corporate and I was also flying with British Airways, I was racking up loads of these points. And Trisha and I used to go pretty much every year on holiday in business class because we saved up so many points. Um, but since, of course, I became a consultant and started flying EasyJet and Ryanair, mm. the, the the points haven't accrued as much as as they used to do, and, and it now becomes it, it takes more than you know two or three years to uh, build up enough points to go on a trip. Um, but it's an interest it's an interesting uh, combination because I don't know about um, where you live, Pascal, but Uber seems to have taken a back seat here in Edinburgh. When Uber started, and it was you know it was in the news quite a lot, um, everybody was using Ubers. But now, you know, on the the occasion that I've tried to call an Uber, I've been told that it would be forty five, fifty minutes before one became available. So I've always just gone and hailed a black cab. Yeah, not the. You're right. In terms of their presence, um, do you know that they, they were very present on TV and radio and, and online? Uh, it has been much quieter in France as well. It's fascinating to, to kind of see. And, and, and is it actually now that they feel they've established their positioning? They just want now to work through partnership arrangements to kind of capture the final bit of the market. Yeah, may, may, maybe that's it. And maybe they've decided to focus specifically on on london as, as their main base in the uk and and, th- and that may be fine i mean I, I know a lot of people um accuse british airways of being Lon- too london centric in fact i've heard a few people say british airways should change their name to london airways because they put <laughs> they pretty much are focused around heathrow um they used to have a big hub at gatwick but even that's been affected by the pandemic so you know, none of the other airports in the UK are anything other than filters down to Heathrow. You know, there are no 
British Airways international flights from Edinburgh or Manchester or anywhere else, you have to always fly to Heathrow or sometimes Gatwick in order to go abroad. So that was my, the one that surprisingly stayed with me after you know we recorded and published last week. What about you? What was the news item that kind of had a lot of impact? Yeah, I think it's probably this uh, this issue that we discussed where it takes an average of six weeks, 42 days, to hire a marketing professional these days. Um, and then I think when you add on top of that the fact that if you hire somebody, they've probably got a notice period to work, maybe gardening leave, depending upon their seniority. So the typical time that passes is usually getting upwards of 70 days you know, almost a quarter of a year um, coming up. So, I, I guess I guess that um, we've we've discussed this quite a few times on the show that marketing people have rightly or wrongly become just communicators and perhaps have forgotten the strategy side of things. And I'm sort of feeling okay that it takes longer to to uh, hire people because perhaps we're now going back to the point where businesses realize they've got to hire people who've got skills across the whole of the marketing piece so people who can talk about price and product and and strategy as well and perhaps that's reflected in the time it takes to uh, to hire people you when you write down the figure um Literally, I went to Memory Bank, and, and I said to you at the time, yeah, that's about right. The, I was a team leader or now as a consultant. Mm. It, it's that direction because, you know, from the moment you make a decision to draft um, the job spec, which may need to be reviewed by a number of people, then going through the process of recruiting through yeah. agency, through advertising, through obviously your own network on LinkedIn and more, and then for that individual to be interested, to then express interest, to then book the sessions, I mean, it's uh, any appointment, I reckon, but more so one that would be linked to business development and customer experience uh, has to be done seriously. But uh, you reminded me about, of course, the notice period. Yeah, and if, yeah. And the more senior you go into the, into the organisation, the longer notice period. I mean, in my younger days, I'm pretty sure I went through a phase where I had to give somebody three months notice. Uh, yes. Yes, because of the handover and everything else that comes with it, and participate in finding my replacement as well. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk. Let's move on a bit now, Pascal. Let's talk about the content spotlights, and I think I'm going to have to be very careful here because the the content spotlight that I talked about last week was about was an article in Vice or on the Vice website called "Social Media Is Dead." And this is the piece of content that I've been thinking about the most over the past week. In fact, this is probably the only piece of content that I've really delved into a little bit more detail. I've read other articles on it. Uh, but before we get, we, before we indulge my um, obsession with this topic, <laughs> let, let, let's talk about, um, about about what you highlighted last week, and that was that was video and YouTube and Ed Lawrence from Film Booth. Yeah, uh, you know, interestingly, probably because, again, I chose it and I had the pleasure of delving into the details and study uh, this idea of the YouTube chain, you know, five interlinked um, elements or events that people don't always consider and therefore will stop 95% of YouTube channels from growing. And so essentially, um, Ed Lawrence's suggestion was that um, the production bit, the filming bit, and even the, the kind of editing bit, 
It's only one of the five elements. And the vast majority of your time, that would be in, in, in his words, you know, step or chain one, two, three. Yeah. Is the planning and the storyboarding and the reflecting and, you know, all those elements. And my, my reaction was, yes, you know, we want that enough. But actually, even if it's a written um, form of content, people rush to opening laptop and opening Microsoft Word. And in the case of video now, um, suppose implicitly, I was suggesting we rush to grabbing the phone. And maybe the, dif the difference being, is it going to go vertical or horizontal? <laughs> but there's not sufficient time spent on the planning, um, yes. storyboarding, scripting, and so on. Because, of course, if you do so, the, the filming and editing is much, much smoother. And, and I've been kind of thinking about it, thinking, how can I encourage others to spend more time with boring bits? Um, it's, it's very, very important. I mean, planning is, is a good thing to do for any sort of content, isn't it? And and I just keep coming back to the example that um, that I've talked about before, where you know I I do the Rog vlogs vid videos, and sometimes I will think I'm going to go out in the car today, and I'm going to head into Edinburgh, or I'm going to head out into the countryside, and sometimes I have a sort of vague idea of what I'm going to do, and usually if i go out with that attitude i end up getting very disappointed with myself because I, <laughs> I i don't i don't film the right things or i don't get inspired but when we went on holiday to tenerife a couple of months ago i actually mapped out almost not not quite storyboarded i didn't go as far as drawing pictures but i had it mapped out and written down there were four videos i wanted to do i wanted to do a video of the trip i wanted to do a review of the hotel i wanted to do a walk around of the resort and i wanted to do um a walk around of siam park the water park we went to whilst we were there and because i had effectively planned it in advance mm. it didn't actually take up much of our holiday you know i managed to i knew which filming shots i wanted to get i got them and i think if i'd have gone in it thinking I want to make these four videos, but I hadn't planned it. It would have taken three times as long and it would have interrupted our holiday. And for me, that was such a vital lesson, even though I knew it, you know, you've been telling me this for years, even though I knew <laughs> it, it was that actual practical example, which, you know, I thought, okay, yeah, this is very important. Yeah. So that, that's for me has been the, the thought process around it's important, but we don't feel like doing it. It's nowhere near as, as engaging. It's a bit like, you know, when people want to put together a presentation, isn't it? Using either PowerPoint, Keynote or Canva. Yeah. The, I get it. The pleasure is in the getting into the visual elements, but if you've not taken the trouble to even start to doodle and put a few bullet points and even storyboard, then that process will be a lot longer and perhaps not even as enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. So can I talk about social media being dead? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, this this article um, by uh, Edward Ongueso really struck a chord with me um, because we, we've seen in the news, haven't we, all the trouble um, with, with um, Facebook becoming obsessed with the metaverse and the amount of money that they're spending on it, but all the the sort of controversy they had before with an Astra, with the um, Cambridge Analytica issue. We're seeing Elon Musk potentially destroying Twitter day by day. 
Um, in fact, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this um, this session gets cut in half if Twitter goes um, goes um, belly up. But the thing that this guy said in his article that really resonated me, I can summarize as follows. To me, a social network is somewhere where I can choose who I want to talk to, when I want to talk to them, and what I want to talk to them about, and how much I actually socialize with those individuals. But most of the social media networks now, and that's Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn to a certain extent, is ruled so comprehensively by the algorithm that they are the people that choose who I see, who I talk to. And whilst I think I'm in control of the topics, I think they're probably in control of the topics as well. So it's not really a social network at all. It's more of a, a controlled environment where our data is being harvested and we're given a few crumbs of engagement as a reward for that. And that's not what Twitter was originally set up to be or Facebook. And I can see now that this model just might just might run out of steam very shortly. And the more I think about it, the, the, the more I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, and you know, you and I, through the process of creating two gigs and Martin podcast, but also through our work, We've noticed the grumble. We've noticed, you know, the decline in, uh, I suppose, results, you know, for people that efforts. And and listen, for the majority of, of our viewers and listeners and beyond, the, the effort in content creation year on year is increasing. You know, ten years yeah. ago it was a lot simpler. Now people are just wrestling with sales and going live and gifts and surveys. I mean, the list of what you sh- allegedly. Are supposed to do according to the expert is so such that even on the in terms of the content production side, people are starting mm-hmm. to say, you know what, well, uh, soon, 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 I'm going to be out of time and resources. And on top of which, the, the payback is is a lot poorer. And then you've got the additional element you mentioned, which is the the social impact, it's an enormous amount of positives you know has come out of social networking and marketing, particularly around charities and you know, kind of lobbying for government changes kind of things, but there's also the, the ugly side. So I think this article is one of many where the silent majority is no longer silent. Yes, yes. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and, I mean, it, it opens up all sorts of opportunities for something to fill the gap. Mm. Um, and and I guess that leads me into the... Uh, the, the marketing tech and apps where one of the things that I did as a result of having that discussion about the content spotlight was I went out and started looking for Twitter alternatives and I came across something called Mastodon and I came across something called Vero, which I then realized that I'd come across many, many years ago and had registered many, many years ago. Over the last week, I've been playing around with Mastodon a bit more, and I don't actually still understand it. I have yet to have any engagement with anybody. I've not got any followers. I've tried to follow other people, but there's some weird thing that you, you, you've got to, it's almost like you've got to know their email address within mastodon and, I, mm. and I've, i'm obviously doing something wrong i've tried posting a few posts but i've had no engagement at all so i am actually thinking maybe i am making a mistake or i don't understand it but it doesn't have that immediate immediacy that twitter has 
So, yeah, Mastodon's a bit of a work in progress. Um, but what was it you were talking about last week, Pascal? It was about vertical video as well, wasn't it? Yeah, so fascinating because you and I are almost like this uh, ongoing barometer about uh, what people are interested in, what they're asking during our consultancy sessions or, or speaking at events and so on. And what people are asking me about vertical views, you know, the why, the, the, the what, the how, and that kind of things. Uh, so my position is, you know, vertical videos have a role to play, but they're not certainly the, the silver bullet. You know, this is not what's going to solve all your online marketing woes. But I was looking at ways in which um, apps can make life easier, either to repurpose existing videos or to cover a new one. In addition to what the platforms themselves can offer you, I came across this one called Video Leap, as in jumping, Video Leap by a company called Light Tricks. And yes. I also came across, so that would be for mobile phone users, both Android and, and iPhone. And I also came across a laptop-based solution because as I would prefer to do editing on the laptop. And it's called bead.io and bead is spelled mm. B-E-E-D. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, vertical video. I, I, was, I even came across, um, somebody this week was talking about there's, there's quite a few shops now have started um, displaying TVs in portrait mode okay. in shops because so many people are now so used to watching um, vertical video on their phones that they're more apparently more likely to consider buying a TV if it is displayed in portrait mode. Now, that horrifies me a bit, Pascal. I mean, I can see the, I can see the, you know, why you want to do vertical video on a mobile phone if you're rushing about, if you're in a social environment. But please, ne let's never get to the stage where we would actually consider mounting a television in our homes in portrait mode rather than landscape. I mean, our eyes are not designed to watch things vertically in that sort of environment. That's why we go to yeah. the cinema, isn't it? I mean, crikey, can you imagine a cinema with a vertical <laughs> screen? Well, well, I'm sure people will try that. Um, but for me, back to, you know, which is the point you're leading to, vertical videos will a particular type of messages, particular concept visually, and not all. And, and I think that to me is what's interesting about it. You know, the, the idea of, for example, I walked into a hotel in Durham a couple of weeks ago, had the pleasure at the conference there, and when you went to the hotel reception, they have vertical screens behind them. But actually, what they had done was to split the screen into thirds. So you had a top third, middle third, and bottom third, yeah. each displaying different landscape formats. So <laughs> as well, and then the other thing which is um, interesting is not far from where I'm based right now in Northern Brittany. There's a company called La Vitre, which is the window in French. And they have invented, if you like, ways to do video calls and audio calls by facing essentially a full-size vertical mirror to you and I. And when you tap on the mirror, the other person on this side of the world has also a vertical screen, which is literally like life-size, you know, so about two meters in height, will um, accept the video call and you can talk to each other um, almost as though you're standing side by side. So I, yeah. I'm looking at things like this. But, yeah, to have a cinematic experience, uh, vertical only, um, I think we're not quite there yet. 
Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? So, Pascal, one of the things we also like to do on Two Geeks in the Marketing podcast is look back in time. Mm. And we always say that, you know, we live in a world where we're so fortunate to to luxuriate in all this amazing technology and these gadgets and this tech that we talk about. But most of these gadgets and this tech has been invented by somebody in the past. And we owe a great debt to those innovators of the past and this week in history is our way of effectively looking back and you know last week we talked about skylab which was uh you know a nasa spaceship launched mm. in, in in 1972 and i you know i was i was quite young in 1972 i was about five i think six um and i remember having an airfix model of uh, of skylab and it and that was before Star Wars, if you think about it. It was it was really, really yeah. interesting. But the point that you made was that people spent 84 days in space, which is yeah. just... Um, uh, interestingly, only a few days ago, of course, an Artemis 1 uh, was launched. Yeah, and that's right, I, yes. I woke up really by chance, and I was able to, to catch it live. And listen, I know that there will be detractors out there thinking it's waste of time, money, and resources, but for me, it was just thrilling. Because, like you, I, I was far too young to have appreciated uh, space um, travel you know, back in the 70s. Yeah, that's right. And it's, it's, it, I can still remember making that model and, and the, the way you have the rocket part the, the the it's almost like the nose cone of the of the apollo rocket and the way that it docked with the main part of the space station and we were again i i suppose my memory has been mixed up now with science fiction and everything but i'm sure that me and my mates used to play spaceships and everything like that and we were doing that before before star wars i just i just uh, i just find that really quite fascinating yeah, and my kind of selection for the this week in history was the um, the company called the English Channel Submarine Telegraph Company, who in 1849 attempted to literally lay a cable in on the seabed between Dover and Calais to essentially send te- telegraph messages. Um, this only lasted a few days until the the bad weather snapped the, the cable, but it carried on. And the reason why I wanted to choose that back to your uh, the way in which you explain why we choose this week in history is the reason why you and I can speak to each other, me in Britain and you in Scotland. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thanks to cables, uh, literally on the seabed and occasionally satellite communication. Primarily, the whole world is able to go on Zoom calls, go on Canva, go on Twitter, do all those things thanks to a network of cables that people just um, essentially thought about back in 1849. I still can't get over the fact that basically they get dropped over the edge of a ship, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I, again, I'd, I'd had this sort of image of something like Thunderbird 4 going down ac- along the seabed just laying this cable as opposed to it just being dumped over the side of a ship. <laughs> to me, it's just that which is, um, you know, that it took somebody with, um, I would imagine, very daring vision, and probably many people must have pushed back thinking it's folly or... Uh, it won't work. I mean, you know, all, all the kind of things that we, even today, when someone wants to launch a new business or a new app or a new solution. Yeah. And, um, and we, we have to from that vision. 
So every week we also do a creator shout out. Um, yeah. And last week I, I gave a shout out for a gentleman called Roland Millward. Um, um, he writes a travel blog and I, and, I, and I think I was quite, the point I was trying to make there was that um, it's actually quite nice to read some stuff these days. Yes, video is good and we all love video and with video you can actually see the place if it's a travel video. But, you know, sometimes it is actually quite nice, isn't it, just to read it and, and, and let your imagination fill in the gaps. No, absolutely. And do you know, it, for me, the reaction that I had when I listened to you retelling your discovery, and by the way, your um, creator shout outs also, um, you know, got reward from retweets and reshares. So mm. thank you as well. Yeah. And for me, um, it was this idea of sometimes, you know, when are looking to become a better and content creator who can upskill yourself. Maybe you need to look away from work for a while because I remember back in the days of blogging, we used to recommend for people to choose a subject which was their passion, maybe it was a hobby, maybe it was something that was um, not necessarily work-related because you're going to be a lot freer. You're going to you have less pressure on yourself. You're not going to be so worried about you know what others going to think of because this is where you might discover your writing style. You might discover how to, you want to express yourself through video or even photography. So now that was a great question for the creator's shout-out. And shall we talk about Halloween's End? Is there anything yeah. more that we can say about Halloween's End, given that uh, a week has gone by since we analysed the marketing? We, we, I assume you've still not seen the film. No, not at all. That was released, as, as you know, globally through cinemas as well as a Peacock, a streaming services in the US. Yeah, because um, I was gonna, I thought he was going to suggest the fact that we were talking about it for half an hour last week. Is there any more we can say about <laughs> uh, the, the campaign? For, for me, uh, the lasting memory a week on is the delight to have an official website that we into, because typically either we review movies that have been released uh, in the past, we've gone as far uh, back as the seventies. Oddly, um, Halloween nineteen seventy eight, has come back. And then we've gone back maybe movies even just two, three years um, older. But somehow the official websites always disappear. And for us marketers, and I suppose self-appointed film marketing historians, it's such a massive uh, void. Yeah, and, and it does make you wonder why they don't keep these websites, doesn't it? I mean, it, let's face it, they spent multiple millions of dollars making these films, multiple millions of dollars advertising these films and they're probably spending you know fifteen dollars a year to host a website so in the grand scheme of the outlay you would have thought that it would have just worked in their favor to just continue to to fund that website presence so that as you say nostalgia kicks in and people want to f look back and find out yeah so we reviewed the uh, the marketing campaign. There was elements like the the, the premiere and campaign. We had a teaser um, trailer campaign. We had a competition where people sent probably a vertical video uh, inspired by the Halloween ends and win potentially a video call with JBD Curtis herself. 
And there was also an kind of 80s retro video game where you would play, you know, Laurie Strode being chased by Michael Myers and you had to dodge obstacles like we used to. Um, remember, I remember a game where I was riding a bike that brings back memories and you have to kind of go left to right avoiding kind of obstacles on, on the track. But for me, yeah. what was interesting was our reaction to the teaser, the official teaser that they released in June 2022. It was all you know, kind of snippets from the um, movie itself. There was some incredible scoring as well. But there was also, as, as text, you had this sentence, which was, uh, as I'm looking through, through our note, this, sorry, their saga comes to an end. And you and I then went on this kind of... Uh, Whose saga we're talking about? We're talking about the John Carpenter, Jimmy Curtis partnership. We're talking about the characters. Yeah, and it was just brilliant. Little, you know, just a small sentence that go the interweb just go crazy. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think that there's there's that very vi- what's the word virality? Is it virality? Viral? It's definitely not virility. Virality <laughs> about it. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating campaign, but I I still don't feel I'm, I'm in a rush to run out, go to the cinema to see this. I'm probably likely to leave it until it comes out on video. Well, for me, um, I feel the need to watch the previous two again to Rick, because it's literally one of those where, you know, the Halloween, um, finishes and then Halloween kills literally start within moments of the first one and then this Halloween ends is meant to start very much at the end of Halloween kills yes I want to kind of get back into that that universe and and have the full treatment so what I'm hoping is that actually some um, indie cinema will show all three almost like a bit of a marathon yes um, good god knows I mean it would be lovely a cinema would go back to the 78 can you imagine <laughs> that, would, that would mean uh, so, so there'd be 78 Halloween um, 80, 81 Halloween 2 98 Halloween H2O which is still my favourite 2002 Halloween Resurrections and 2018, 21, 22 the last three and that would be quite a day wouldn't it it would, it would indeed <laughs> <laughs> oh sometimes it's a, it is a shame that you uh, that you live so far away Pascal <laughs> mm. Absolutely. That just could give the long form recording of episode 89 a little shout out because we did something very different at the very, very end. We managed to discover through actually some search of the marketing that Gemini Curtis was interviewed for an NBC's special on Halloween in Hollywood. And this being the very last chapter for her character she gave also i would say a very emotional final goodbye and we took the liberty from the point of view of sharing this to add a final goodbye to the end of episode 89 and when i was reviewing the edit i, I got quite emotional listening to in essentially Jimmy curtis saying that um, that was it that's it yes. no more Yes, no, it worked very well. It was a very emotional way to finish the show. Um, and, and as you say, really quite different. And uh, yeah, it, it's always interesting to see an iconic character like that effectively saying, you know, that's the end. But do you know what? I'm not sure that it will be the end. If the money's right and the script is right, you never know. 
You never know. Just complete, completely unrelated. And I preface this by saying I don't watch this program. But um, there was this, there was a final episode of Neighbours, which is that um, Australian soap opera, which is a massive success across the world. That was being finished forever, and they had this last episode, which was broadcast earlier in the summer, and it had, I think, Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan were back in it. Um, and that was supposed to be the utter, utter final episode. And I read yesterday that Amazon have bought the rights and they're going to revive it. So you never know. You never know. Halloween might make a neighbor's style re- re- uh, reappearance <laughs> in, the, in the near future. Listen, we've done rather well because in the space of just over half an hour, we have managed to recap and almost you know, retell the long-form um, version of episode 89, which is just under the 1 minute 20 mark. Mm. So, mm. everyone, I hope that you've enjoyed this discussion, uh, you know, but also hopefully this encourages you to seek out the long-form version where we also have this timestamp so you can just jump into the, the segments that is of most interest to you. But I would also like to invite our listeners to perhaps get back to you, Roger, in particular, about the death of social media. What do you think the next two to five years is going to look like for social media platforms, but also the marketers and businesses who are using those platforms to promote themselves and engage with their customers? No, you're absolutely right, Pascal. That is a fascinating subject, and I know that it's one that is going to continue to resonate not only with me, but a lot of people like us, Pascal, who have effectively made part of our career about helping people to use social media marketing so i will add my thanks to everybody who's listened and we will see you again for another two geeks and a marketing recap in a few weeks time and until then go out there and make sure that your marketing is done right i was roger edwards and he was pascal fintoni bye for now